Hey everybody, Clint Foss here and welcome to the 20th edition of the Clint Foss Week podcast series entitled The Laws of Attraction and the Journey to Self-Love with Heidi Latram. Now, a lot of people in Australia will know Heidi. She's a morning radio DJ uh, on the radio show where we pretty much listen to her every single morning on the commute with the kids, as well as was on a reality TV show last year called Married at First Sight, uh, which, um, as I mentioned, a lot of Australians watch, uh, some of them admittedly, some of them not. For the international listeners, you have absolutely no idea what Married at First Sight is. Well, it's a reality TV show where you literally meet someone at the altar and get married um, all on live, well, not on live TV, but in reality TV. So in this podcast, we talk talk through, you know, as always with all the guests, we through Heidi's life in terms of how she ended up, you know, being on that show and the journey. And, you know, this is just one of those podcasts where I've sort of waited a day or so before to record the intro because, you know, just listening to Heidi and getting an understanding of her personality on the radio and then just sort of it'll shine through on the on the podcast as well. She's just a super positive person who's upbeat, always looking for the, you know, the the, the lessons and the learnings and things and, and doesn't sort of seem to get down. And when you get to understand what she's been through in her life and the journey she's been through and how she was sort of self-sufficient and thrown out of home at 16, it's it's really amazing and a testament to the type of woman she is and and it's really really you know sat with me and and made me realize that the small things that I do gripe about from time to time are minuscule in terms of what other people have have gone through so it's really really amazing as always if you're struggling please reach out for help you know the the essential aid and finding your why courses are there as well so it's as always clintfosley.com forward slash help me just help me also hot of the press i have been back to school during covid yes being quiet on the tech business i've been studying and i am now officially operating both one-on-one and group coaching for guys who are struggling with divorce i'm really really excited about that really excited to get a lot more hands-on with guys as well in terms of helping them and helping them work through the digital projects as well so if you want to find out more about that or book a call with me clint dot com forward slash coaching i just want to thank heidi once again so much for her time i know she's a super busy lady um and also thanks so much to her for sharing so openly um about some not some easy stuff but it was a really really amazing podcast and it's yeah i know you'll absolutely enjoy it so strap in enjoy and we'll see you on the other side ciao Clint Fosley here and welcome to the 20th edition of the Clint Fosley podcast series. We are stuck with our words today. I'm joined by Heidi Latcham. Heidi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Clint. Thank you so much for having me. So the uh, title of today's podcast is probably one of the longest in history, um, but it's called The Journey uh, to Self-Love and the Laws of Attraction. Uh, So we're going to talk all about that, about dating, about Heidi's journey. Um, Yeah, and, and see where it goes. So how's your day been so far? Awesome. Yeah, good, good. I've been up since 3.45. I've done the show. I've done some work after that, organizing some other things for charity stuff. And now, yep, I've brought myself back home here and I'm ready for you. <laughs> so for those internationally you don't know, you're obviously a radio DJ at the moment doing a morning show, which starts at 5.30? Yep. Yes, correct, Clint. Wow. Yep. We listen, we listen on the commute with the kids every morning, so. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, starts at 5.30 on air, but we have to get there extra early to prepare the show and do so what time what what does your day start like let's start there 
So it starts it starts at four or quarter to four and then I get to work and I do all the prep for the show. But yeah. I've done lots the night before as well. So it kind of never ends because we do stuff during the show. Yeah. We do it on the show and then after the show and then we leave and then we, you know, do our own thing for a little bit and then every night before I go to bed for like an hour and we're preparing again for the night the next day. So yeah. it just never really ends. It just keeps going. Like life, there's always things to be noticed or things yeah. to discover. And, and I guess the question, do you, do you watch all the reality TV shows? Because that's in, you know, a lot of reality TV stars, but it seems to be a lot. I don't watch many now. Yeah. I, I know I was on one, but that season of Married at First Sight, I'd only watched the season before. Mm-hmm. Before that, it depends who's on things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it depends who the bachelor is or the bachelorette. Like um, Angie Kent was our recent bachelorette and I love her so much and so I watched it. But then this bachelor, I just cannot watch it. I just, there's something I just cannot, I can't get into it for some reason. So it really depends. And because I know all the ins and outs and what goes yeah. behind behind the scenes and that you can pick the people straight away that are in it for real or in it that, that aren't. And I sometimes think, oh, I just can't buy into it. Like I used to buy into it. The fun of it is kind of gone. The fantasy's gone. So it does, it's not as entertaining as it used to be. You have crushed many women's souls there. With that. <laughs> oh, mate, it crushed mine. I'm saving those women's souls. I'm saving them. <laughs> Classic. Um, so, so let's, uh, as, we, as we always do with everyone on the podcast, we, you know, we do a bit of a weave through your life. So let's pull all the way back from today at 3.45 a.m. to where you are born, where, you know, where you grew up and what your early life looked like. Okay, so I was born in Nambour, so on the Sunshine Coast, um, just down the road in on 1980, the there lovely year of 1980. And um, then I grew up on the Sunshine Coast. So went to Budramana Primary School, Marichido State High School. Um, and then after here, I, oh, you wanted like the growing up stage. So I really like, yeah, just grew up on the Sunshine Coast. I was like a Sunshine Coast kid. Yeah. And were you, were you up in, were you in Budram because you went to primary school there or where did you grow up? Yeah, so we um, lived in Budra, but we moved around a lot. We okay. moved around a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, because then my mum was a single mum with four kids. So we oh, had to wow. move around a bit, yeah. So so what time, I mean, how old were you when your mum became a single mum? Um, nine. Okay. I was nine, yeah. And so she left with, um, there was three kids and a baby, so four of us all together. And, yeah, we had to go out on our own. And, but it was good. It was good to get away from my dad. So it was okay. So where, where are you? Um, sorry, I was putting on do not disturb there. Where, where are you and the kids? Are you the oldest or four? Yeah. I'm the oldest. Yeah. Okay. Mother hen. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, not anymore. <laughs> so, so at, at nine, let's just hang on to that if you don't mind, but I mean, because I, my, my youngest is now nine, you know, obviously single dad, but did, yeah. did you, did you become, like, did you have grow up quickly? Because I noticed that with my eldest. Yeah, totally. I can't yeah. even remember being a kid. Like, I cannot remember feeling like a kid or being a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so what did your day, I mean, were you, were you into extramurals, into the ocean? What is, your, what is your fun times as a kid growing up? It's funny that you, are, like, I don't, it's like I don't remember many fun times. And it's not like to be sad, but I just mm. don't. I just remember trying to survive do you know what I mean like we were trying our hardest to survive and get food on the table and sometimes that was really hard and I remember going to school and school being so hard not because of the schoolwork but because of the outside schoolwork and you know your body's changing you're a woman and I just felt so uncomfortable and I developed really early and I just had a really hard time with that and then I went Mm -hmm. home 
and it was always crazy at home and I always felt just stressed and scared and unsure and then so I just never felt I suppose I didn't ever have that comfort growing up or I never felt like fun times where as a kid I've had way more fun times as an adult. (laughs) So if my maths is correct this year's the big four right? Yes I already did it in May. Okay congratulations. Thank you. Welcome to the dark side. Oh, thank you so much. It's nice to be here. Forties <laughs> <laughs> are good, man. I'll tell you what. Yeah, it feels good. It feels so different. It feels different in a way that you just are like, yeah, cool. I'm here. You know, I've come here. Yeah, it's it's really great. Yeah, I'm, I've just took past 45, so I'm, I'm looking 50. I'm closer to 50 now than I'm to 40, and that's like, oh, shit, it's getting serious. Yeah, but then maybe that's better than 42. Like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so just back to, the, back to those early days with, with, with feeling kind of lack of lost, I guess, in a way. Was it a situation where your mom was working multiple jobs, as you mentioned, to keep food on the table? Did you start working early to sort of chip in, or, or how did that look? So she would do home um, daycare. Okay. So my brother, one of my brothers was still a baby and she couldn't, so she would still do home daycare and so the kids would come to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, yes, started working as soon as I could, as soon as I possibly could. Before I was allowed to legally, I started working in a convenience store yeah. in Maroochydore and I used to ride my bike there and I just wanted to be able to get money to buy, you know, a donut if I wanted or, you know, a CD if I wanted or just something. Yeah. So it was, yeah. So she was doing that and she did, she did her best to look after us at the time. Mm. Yeah. And, and has your relationship with your father ever mended over the years? No. Um, he, like when the last time, the second last time that I saw him or the third, I can't remember exactly, but one of the last times I saw him, I was 16 because, um, I was living with mum and then my mum kicked me out and then I had nowhere to go so I went to stay with my dad, which I was like, how do I stay with my dad? He's a psycho and he was violent and yeah. he was, you know, crazy and I was petrified but that was I was a kid and I didn't know where to go and I was still at school. So I had to go and live with him and then I remember living there for two months and it got really bad to the point like where he said some really awful things. One, I remember one night he just got really drunk and said, you're the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I wish you had never existed. You know, you've ruined my life. And I just thought I was so scared because he was acting very scarily in that way as well. And so I, I um, didn't know what to do. And so I rang mum and she's like, she said I couldn't come home. So then I had to find somewhere else. And so she helped me contact the government agencies, which are called, um, were called AAA housing then at the time. Yeah. And they picked me up from his house. So the last time that they're probably the last words I saw, I heard from him for maybe seven or eight years. And so the government agency picked me up to me to foster care. And then I didn't see him again until it was probably 2003. And I heard he was really sick with a brain tumor. So I went to see him and I just, he started banging on about all this stuff. And I just, I just stood up and I just said, I just want you to know I have a really good life and I'm really happy and I don't need anything from you. And then I walked out and then I think two years later um, I went to see him as he was just about to die and he just said, I'm sorry, he could hardly talk and he was blind and I just said, don't worry about it. And then I think he just died a week later. So it wasn't, no, but there wasn't an opportunity to do that. But I do not need an opportunity to do that either. Like I don't, he doesn't really mean anything to me. I the things that I experienced with him and stuff like that, I have 
made sure I've done lots of work on myself and I've got through that. And so he is kind of not a significant figure in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and did it, did you have another stepdad or something sort of other male influence that come in with your mom? Um, yeah, after I, that? Did, but I did, but, I, but that's why I had to move out because, oh, okay. yeah, because I couldn't all live together. So yeah. So that okay. wasn't, yeah. So I didn't have significant male role, male role models growing up. No. Oh shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, my, but for me personally, both my parents kind of disowned me as well. Um, mm. So I, I, I get that, right. It's a weird it's a weird, it's a weird one to deal with. And, and, you know, on the, I guess, as we all are the journey to self-love, hence the podcast title to, to let go of the fact that your parents didn't, um, it's a big well, one, it's a big one for me. My mum and I have repaired ours a lot, even over the last couple of months, which okay. is because, um, I hurt my ankle and I had no one to help me and I didn't know what to do. And I lived by myself and I lived on a three story building and I had to go to work and I was on crutches and a moon boot and I couldn't, do anything and she just came to help me no matter what she just was there and she did everything yeah. for me and it just repaired so much in the last couple of months it's been amazing but what's helped me most of all with that kind of stuff is thinking okay so if I wasn't a woman in this body and that was my mum and dad and I go oh they hurt me or you know just in this lifetime what about if I was an infinite being that came you know just had was having this experience in this body right now would I let my dad not loving me how I wanted him to love me or my mum saying things, would I let that affect the being that I am? And I was just, you know, just taking it from that different perspective and looking at it, not like, oh, my God, my mum did this and my dad did this because that couldn't continue forever and ever and ever. Yep. And so I've been trying to look at it from different perspectives and just think, oh, yeah, would I choose that if I could? And I was like, oh, I'm not going to choose that anymore, so I'm just going to look at things from a different perspective and that's helped me a lot. And was that as of this year as well? Or has this been a journey throughout time? Like when you, when you sort of. It's been a journey. It's been a journey, but this year has been very interesting and very, um, it's been amazing and brilliant and hard and now easy. And I don't, I realize it doesn't have to be hard anymore, but things that have occurred as, yeah, I just, I never, could have seen this year coming and I suppose many people feel exactly the same. Yeah. But it's created so many twists and turns and maybe I had a plan for myself this year and I thought, yeah, I can see myself do that. But literally it's like I had to go or do all this background stuff first and I feel like I'm just doing this and now it's like, oh, yep, okay, now you're ready. I had literally had to do all the background stuff first, which I thought I'd already done, but it's like a big sweep through. So it's been great. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually, uh, 2020 has been my best year ever. It's bizarre. I mean, when, when when COVID hit in March, I literally, someone turned the tap off for work. So we had no, so I had a bit of a panic attack for a month. Yeah. Um, but then it's, it's just been such a good year for, for reflection, for growth, for sitting. Yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah, that's so great. Isn't it funny how that, yeah. I think for so many people, everyone, so many people have gone, oh, and then, oh, okay, I'm going to look in that box rather than keeping the box that I always have been and oh my god I didn't even realize all the possibilities that have been there already yeah it's crazy so yeah. pull back to 16 um foster care what was that like that must have been one hell of an experience it was it was weird because I just could not contemplate that I was a kid going into foster care I just thought I'm 16 I felt like an adult yet I wasn't an adult and I wasn't allowed to be classed as an adult and I was still I still wanted to go to school high school yep. and I didn't know what to do and so it was really weird and there was no room for me anywhere so I had to go to this 
place, this um, house where there was this old lady and a man. Then they had two other boys and there was no bedroom for me. So I had to sleep in the lounge room and I just had to like put curtains, a few curtains up. Yeah. It was really awful. And then that was at Kiwana. And so I still went to Maroochydore High School and they said, no, you have to go to Kiwana. And I said, I'm not going to Kiwana High School. I have to go to Maroochydore. And that's where all my friends were. And that's the only thing I knew still because when you, you know, taken out of your home, you just don't know what you're going to do or who's going to look yeah. after you or what, how to get money. And I said, I need to go to Maroochydore. So they said there's no buses. I had to ride. These are in the old days when there's no paths or anything around the Sunshine Coast. I reckon it took me like nearly an hour and a half to ride one way and back every day. And if it was raining, I'd just have to wring my socks out and keep going because there was just no buses. But I just really wanted to go to Maroochydore. And then eventually I um, got independent living, which okay. was with AAA housing, and they put me in um, units at Alexandra Headland. So you only had to pay percentage of your income and then I so I'd go to school during the day and then I'd go and work at Coles at night time and then I'd finish at 10 and then ride my bike home and then go to school and then do that every day so I dropped a subject so I could do my homework at school in the library um so I could work to pay for stuff but the funniest thing and I ended up staying there for years because they were really great and I felt I felt safe there but the funny thing was I tried to look for them years later to help them because I thought, oh, my God, I want to I give back. I want to help in some way. Maybe I want to do a course with this. And I could not find them. And I thought, oh, my God, does AAA housing not exist? And I just thought, oh, well, I don't know what to do. I'll just, I gave up. Ended up going on another journey and going around, you know, living different places, lived overseas, came back here. And then I remember getting the job with CFM in January last year and I had a meeting with a man called Paul Morton and he was the head of, IFYS um, and Inclusive Kids, which is, you know, a foster care program and they look after disadvantaged kids and stuff like that. And um, he was talking to me about what he does and I said, oh, I always wanted to get back into that kind of stuff because AAA housing really helped me but I couldn't find them. And he said, oh, no, we are AAA housing. They just changed the name from years ago. I went, no way. He said, yeah, and we'd really like you to be an ambassador. And I went, Oh my God. So it was like the thing I was searching for ended up finding me. And it was just, that's been such a, uh, an important and special thing in my life that I've got to do to become an ambassador for them because they helped me so many years ago. So I just feel so happy that I'm able to do that now. That's, you know, all, all the manifestation people out there and a lot of my guides say, don't, don't go searching what, what, what you meant to come will find you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ask for what you want to come. Yeah. To come and find you. Totally. Yeah. Don't look and let go and then it'll yeah. land up in your lap and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, totally. That's, that's <laughs> awesome, man. So, so when you're at school, you know, obviously an adult, right? I mean, you know, putting food on your own table. Did you, did you, how did you relate to your friends or was, were your friends just like a, like a escapism for you in a way uh, or how did that all work? Huh? I was really, I was really kind of embarrassed about what my situation was. And I always just remember, I didn't want to tell too many people, but then I, I would say to myself, this is not, this is not me. This is just a situation I'm in. Yeah. This is not me. I'm not, cause I just always think about people that were like in foster care or homeless. And I thought, oh, are they, you know, like you know, Deros or they've had a bad experience or, you know, had yeah. a rough upbringing. And I thought, my God, am I one of those people? Am I one of those people now? Which is such a judgment to put on those people that they have gone through that experience. Yeah. That's what you grow up thinking. And it's like, well, now that 
I was in that situation, am I? And I thought, no, oh, my God, no, I've got to take charge of my life and I could go down one path or another. But I, I literally go to school and I was, I was, I just didn't really want to tell anyone. So no one knew. The guidance officer kind of knew. None of my teachers knew. Hardly any of my friends, only a handful of my friends. But I'd get in trouble sometimes about my uniform or wearing a black bra underneath a white shirt and I'd say, well, you know, I'm sorry, I do my own washing and I have to work every single night. And so I'd often write myself handwritten notes, signed, hiding in there. There you go, please excuse me. So I didn't want, I just didn't want to be classed in a situation where everyone felt sorry for me and so, and looked at me different. So I just didn't really tell anyone. And I just, I worked hard at school. I got academic achievement awards and stuff like that. And then in the final semester though, that was the hardest because it was just hard doing everything, hard going to school and working at night and and Mm. stuff like that. But I got through it and I did year 12 and I'm really proud that I did that. And I, lots of people like even at um, uh, reunions and stuff like that, or people contacted me after Married at First Sight because I said a little bit about that background of Married at First Sight and all my friends were like, why didn't you ever tell us? (laughs) Like you were were doing that stuff and that you lived on your own and I just went, oh, I just didn't really want to. So I, I made sure I kept that as private as I could. Yeah. Which now I think that's so silly. You should just tell people and they won't look at you differently. But I just didn't want to be, you know, thought of like that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a situation. It just brought me back actually. I hadn't thought about it for God knows how long. But at primary school, we actually had a foster home near our primary school and there were sort of 10 kids per. And they were just, you know, I was what, you know, 10, 11. You didn't even know what a foster kid was, A. Eh? Yeah. Um, and B, it was weird. They're always, not weird, but they're kind of stuck together because I'm assuming they had that same feeling of, you know, this is our family and we can yeah. do it. Um, yeah. so, so they were at the school but never really integrated. They're always their own thing, their Isn't own sort funny? of new- Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's terrible how kids are so judgmental and stuff. And I'm not, I think maybe I was judging myself more than anyone else could. So, and I continue that in my life stupidly, but... <laughs> Crazy. So after school, what is the plan? So you, you finished up. You did. What, let me actually. Weird question. I've got a fifteen year old who keeps carrying on about schoolies, but w- was there schoolies in those days? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There were schoolies. So and for the so for the international, that's post high school party somewhere. And where did you go for schoolies? So I went half my schoolies. I did in Great Keppel Island with a bunch of friends, and I just didn't have enough fun. I, I just thought <laughs> it was so boring, and so I went to the Gold Coast for the other half. And then, yeah, had a really good time there. There was heaps, there's heaps more exciting things to do. Yeah. And was the Gold Coast as built up as it was, is now, or was it still kind of rural-ish? No, it was pretty built up and we all stayed in surface. And I even, even oh, this is so embarrassing, but I even went back to the schoolies a year after with heaps of my other friends too. So it was great. And, but it was really organised, but not too organised how it is now. Yeah. It was crazy and he, just heaps of fun. It was just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so my, my, my eldest is going into year 10 and she's already talking about schoolies. Yeah, get ready, get ready. It'll happen and in, in, it'll be scary. <laughs> I'm going with, she says, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. If oh you my God. Up, you've you know got two years to prepare her. <laughs> Let's move on from that. So after schoolies, what, what is the plan at that time? So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with my life. And um, I remember my mum just saying to me, you got to do something. And I'm like, I know, but I don't know what to do. I want to do photography. I love doing the film and TV behind the scenes stuff. And then I just 
I eventually just, I did not know. I didn't have a clue and I felt a little bit lost as well. Yeah. Um, so I got, I went to do beauty therapy. So I studied beauty therapy um, and then I studied to be a makeup artist. So I did, and I studied hairdressing for a bit. So I did special effects in makeup artistry as well. And then I came back to the Sunshine Coast and I got a job doing freelance makeup art. And then I managed a beauty salon at, in Maroochydore for years. Oh, so then, where did you study? Um, at the Sunshine Coast Skincare and Beauty Academy. Okay, there you go. Shameless yeah. plug. Yes, that's right. I don't know if it still exists. I think it might. But, yeah, this is a long, this was like 22 years ago. Oh, my God. So weird. Time is moving. So did you, I mean, just putting back to obviously the creative, you know, media side, which is where you thrive now, were you interested in that as a kid and you just, or you just suppressed it or, or did you do anything like any talent shows or anything yeah, along those lines? When I was a kid, I loved, just always would have a microphone, always yeah. in my hand. So I would always be singing in a microphone or dancing or I loved that kind of stuff. And then I loved going to dancing lessons. I did Johnny Young Talent School for a little while. We used to have Johnny Young Talent time. Yeah. And then, in the 80s and the 90s, that was fun. I love that kind of stuff. But then because of the family situation, I then became really insular and I became really shy again and I wouldn't speak up as much and I kind of, you know, your body's changing and so I was like, oh, what's going on? And I just didn't feel confident. And But in, when I did move out, literally the peop- I just changed so much and at school and I got, I got different friends and I felt so much better within myself and so that really changed my life from then on. I felt like I could be more of me again. Nice. Yeah. So, so you were managing a, just pull back to 23, managing a beauty salon, which I know nothing about, but uh, then, then sort of where did your life take you to? And then I was really bored. I felt, mm. I felt frustrated and bored. I didn't know what to do. And I heard there was a radio, um, a radio station opening here on the Sunshine Coast. And so I applied that and then literally quit my job I was earning lots of money managing a salon yeah. and then went to earn like $15 an hour giving up free products on the streets doing promotions yeah really wanted to be on air so I used to grab one of the production guys every afternoon and tell me like teach me how to press the buttons because they said you can go and do an afters course in Sydney that'd be like 10 grand and you have to live there for a year and I thought oh god no and then so they just helped me learn because there's so many buttons there's like you go into a, a, a radio station yeah. and you, how the hell am I ever going to remember how to do all this or wonder how to do all this so I did that for six months taught myself um I had a boss at the time who wouldn't give me a chance and then finally got a new boss called Wade and he was amazing yeah he gave me some Sundays and they gave me Sunday nights and then I eventually did the drive show with another guy called Rod who was beautiful and mm. such a blessing. We did that for a little while and then at the start of 2005 I auditioned for Search for a VJ for, with MTV. Yeah. And so that was, I just thought, oh, audition and then eventually they run me and said you got in the top ten, the top three, and then we went for this whole big live day and I I won a car and I won the job. So then I got to go to Sydney and become a video DJ, which is like, a you know, you just stand there and you go, oh, Twitter Request Live. Today we've got such and such on the show yeah. and you just do interviews and things like that. So I did that for a little while. But I was really jaded by all of that because it was so about what you look like and what you're wearing and the clothes and yeah. you fit into this, what's going on with your hair. And I just felt like a piece of meat. I didn't feel good. So after that ended... 
I went and worked with in Nova um, in Brisbane for a little bit, but I yeah. just wanted a break. I just wanted to get out of that. So I just I had a break, big break from everything, and then eventually got into beauty again. But I wanted to do something different because I like art, and so I did eyebrows and had an um, eyebrow business for years and years and years. There you go. Okay, let's pull back. Lots of questions. Okay. Uh, which radio station was that on the coast? That was Hot 91 and it just opened. Oh, okay. Classic. Um, and um, so so when you, just when you got that drive show, was that probably your, the big break? I mean, what is, what is the, looking back, the most exciting part where you're like, shit, I'm actually doing this when you saw yourself on a bus or on a placard or when was that? The was MTV the, thing. Oh, was that, was that it? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was probably it because the radio thing, we were doing some things, but I just didn't really feel like I was ever there do you know what I mean like there and then the MTV thing happened and that was so exciting and that was on TV and I was like oh my god but I feel like I did it so quickly and then I crashed and then I was so jaded by everything I didn't want to touch it for 15 16 years is that how long it was yeah and I couldn't stop listening to this thing inside me going you're not finished you're not finished and that's when I got back into it again yeah because when you said, you know, you're a piece of meat and what you look like, I, rem- I remember the first idols, if you remember, like, you know, going back to the first reality singing TV, it wasn't just the voice. You had to look the part as well. Totally, totally. You know, so many people had amazing voices and I can distinctly remember totally. some Carl saying, well, you just don't look like a pop star. Exactly, exactly. And it's so important and that's how I feel, like TV, and I love doing TV. It's so different to radio. Yeah. You just really, it takes a long time. You've got to present yourself and everything. That's why I'm grateful for radio at four o'clock in the morning getting up. You just don't really have to care that much. <laughs> 45, man. That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What time do you go to bed, by the way? Are you, are you? About 8.30. Champion's got a champion, huh? Yeah. Got to be early, but 8.30, but then I'll, I'll literally go at nine o'clock. Okay. Now it's time. But some days can be earlier and some days are later, depending how crazy I'm being, but generally around there. That's, that's nuts, man. Um, so I had another question. It slipped me. See, I'm a man. I was pouring water and thinking of a question. Oh, you idiot. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh. Um, where were we? So, yeah, that's so, so when you, so you, obviously you did Nova, which is another radio station in Brisbane. You came back, you started up an eyelash business. An eyebrow. Eyebrow. See, Not to mistake I, them. Aren't they the same? No, they're different. This is an eyebrow. This is an eyelash. Yeah, an eyebrow. Because I'd already done beauty therapy, but I loved art. So I loved the whole design thing and the structure. And I did that. And so I started it out of my bedroom in Brisbane. And it became a really good business, amazing business. And it was great. And did you base on in Brisbane for a couple of years or, or what? Yeah, happened? many years, for about eight years. Okay. Yeah, so I lived in Brisbane until... 2013 but mm. then I lived there for a while I went back and I lived here and then in Melbourne again and then I went back to Brisbane for a bit and I yeah. jumped all over the place yeah so let's talk about relationships in those days okay, uh, right. yay <laughs> we can we can edit it out if we need to okay great. Um, so what I mean were there sort of significant guys in your life during you know during the early years um I've had probably since I was 18 mm. I've had about nine or ten long dis- long-term relationships, like that's between one and three years. So I've had lots of those. Yeah. And there's been little relationships in amongst them. So I suppose I have been a big relationship person. Um, but looking back, I go, oh, God, I didn't ever think of them as like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go out with you and then it's going to be forever or I'm going to marry you. Like I did not even think that in my head. Mm. And I suppose because of that, 
I didn't choose as wisely as I could have. Like yeah. I look and I think, oh, my God, why did I even go out with that person? But I just, I just kind of did it. I was just going through the things and I did it and then it eventually last for three years and I'd go, oh, no, no more. And I've lived with lots of boyfriends. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I just don't want to do any more time wasting like that ever again. <laughs> And, and looking back, I mean, as you know, we all humans are consistent with our patterns. Was it the same type of guy that you were going for all the time? They or? all looked completely different, like oh, completely wow. different. Um, but I can see similarities in them now. Yeah. Some were really lovely too, but none were right for me. And I just, you know how you say, oh, but you learned that from that person. And, yeah, I always did, but at the same time I didn't. I didn't need to. Like some, some were just like, what the hell are you doing, Heidi? But now it's like now I am very consciously mm. really um, particular about anyone that I let into my life. Yeah. Like men. Yeah. There's, they're, they're now gatekeepers. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe even a boundary. That's a lovely yes. Good or word. Or t- yeah. Mm. That's right. So do you think looking back and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but looking back in hindsight, you know, having a, you know, obviously issues with your dad and him being abusive and your mom having a broken, the broken marriage and, you know, having all that to go through. Do you think that you were not looking for someone to get married to in the early days, sort of trying to stay away from marriage as a concept? I re- Yeah, absolutely. And also I still have been until, until I've just realized that recently. Mm. And I think I was, you know, not, not consciously choosing the people that would benefit me or contribute to my life and, and right, you know, right back at them as well. Like I just, no, I don't think I was ever searching for that. And it's funny, like no, 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 no one in our family, not my sister nor my two brothers um, are married at the moment. Like, you know, we're all yeah. very single and it's just funny to see, but I've, I know now I do not have to repeat those, those journeys and I can be completely different and so I feel a lot different about it now but yeah looking back I just don't think I even that it didn't even come into my mind yeah hindsight's an amazing thing right yeah like I remember one boyfriend after we broke up he's like oh but we're never going to get married then I thought what do you mean of course we were never getting we're going to get married why would you even think that but then I thought oh my god do people actually think about this stuff (laughs) oh maybe they do yeah (laughs) the white picket fence man come on it's there So 15 years all over the place doing your eyebrow thing, nailed it. Um, what took you back into the, into, the, into the media world? It was, so now looking back at it, I'm like, well, maybe it wasn't too, maybe it wasn't 15 years. Maybe it was like 11 or 12, maybe that I added my numbers right. But I remember it was, it was 2015, 2016, I think, and I began to get itchy feet and I just went, no, I can't, I can't stop doing this. I need to, I need to make a change. I need to do something that I really love again. And I was overdoing eyebrows and the place in Brisbane where I was doing them out of, cause I used to commute from Sunshine Coast for a while. Yeah. They closed their doors and I went, all right, this is great. This is a sign. And I literally got a map of the world and I went where I'm going to live and it landed on New Zealand. And I know that's really safe and close, but I just went, all right, I'm going to New Zealand. And I thought I'll go and do um, a course over there, a radio course, to be so I am able to remember the things that I learned. Yeah. I went over there and I started doing eyebrows. And then I remember the course was starting in January and this was in December. And I just had a feeling to come home. I just went, oh God, oh God. I just I'm really 
big on intuition. You've got to listen to, you know, yep. that kind of stuff. And so then I went home and they let me go home on, in December and then I met up with a friend who was filming a short film and he said, oh, your ex-boyfriend's doing it, Blake. And I went, oh, okay, that's great. And so t- chatting to him, he was doing a radio show yep. and he got into radio after I, we were together because he liked seeing me do it so much. And then I ended up being a co-host with him on Saturdays and then I got back into it like that and then eventually got a job in Townsville doing breakfast radio for a year yep. and then I did that and then I went to live in Melbourne for a little while and then was I married at first sight. So married at first sight, let's go there. What, what was the decision process to, to you know, to sign up for the show? What, what was the internal dialogue? no, you an idiot, don't do anything so stupid. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm not doing anything, why not? And at the, at the time I had just resigned from my job and then I'd moved to Melbourne. I thought, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to get a new radio job? And I just thought, oh, do you know what? I was really didn't, I really didn't want to do it. And then at the last day of applications, I just went, yeah, okay, I'm just going to apply to see what happens. But I had that feeling, I had that feeling that if I did apply, maybe something might eventuate. And so I yep. just kept going down the path. And then before you know it, you're getting married to a stranger. And it's only the, the other day I just thought, oh, my God, why did I do that? But I did it at the time. I just followed the energy. Yeah. And it, felt, it felt like I, I felt like the right thing to do, but I knew I had a feeling it wasn't going to be fun. But I learned so much about myself and it wasn't fun, but I learned a lot about myself. So it was okay. <laughs> So how long before, I mean, do you, do you get like a month's notice or a week's notice? Like or two weeks, like two weeks, oh, yeah. But you, you're preparing. So you kind of have a feeling. Yeah. You, you know, you want to get everything done. And I'd left everything in, um, in a storage shed in Townsville for a little while because I didn't know what I was doing next. And so I moved to Melbourne with two suitcases and I was living with a friend. Yeah. And it's funny because when Married at First Sight came off, they said you can only have two suitcases. So I was, I was kind of ready. It's like <laughs> I was ready to yeah. go. And um, I just packed my bags and you had to do all these tests, like psychological tests, um, physical tests. You get your wedding dress, you buy the clothes. It's literally, there's it's so much to do. So you have to be prepared and then you just go and you just don't stop until the end. And how long is that process of filming is how many weeks does that run for? It depends on how long you last. So some people can last two weeks and some people can last three months. Okay. And drop out during the yeah. show at lots of different times. And so we lasted the three months. Crazy. And I mean, it does it, when you're in it, is, is it as a whirlwind as I would assume it would be like this weird yeah. bubble that you're in? Totally. And cause you're not allowed to talk to anyone. You're not allowed to see other people outside yeah. of the filming. You're not allowed to see people from the show on camera except for your husband. And so it is, it's a bubble and you literally don't know what's real and you don't know what's fake and you yep. get world up in all this and your head starts going oh god and the intuition that you normally can trust so much is questionable because then you've got producers telling you this or then you've got your partner telling you this and you're trying to know what you know but it's all conflictual and you just think oh my god what's actually going on here and I remember we were together until the end until our final vows and we said yes and then I went to move to him at the Gold Coast and we split up like a few days later because yeah. literally I just, I was in my right mind again and I realised what I where I was, what I was doing, what was happening. Yeah. And we had six weeks until the reunion um, ceremony. 
So that's where we all have a break and we all come back. And I just changed so much. And it was like I woke up again out of my, you know, the bubble, as you say. And I was like, oh, I can see everything for how it really is. So I came back to myself then. Because, I mean, from the outside in, you didn't have the easiest of times in the show, right? No, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. But it was an experience that I'm so grateful for. And, I mean, how, how did you, I guess, as you said, you know, you only when you come out, but when, you, when your gut's telling you one way, but everyone's trying to, you know, even, I mean, this is my, my sort of assumption, right, that the, everyone there wants you to stay as long as possible for the show. So yeah. you're probably getting this feedback from all these angles to try everything, but whereas you and your gut know this is not right. Is, yeah. that, is that the big, big conflict? Yeah, that's big as well because I, it's like you know, but do you know? And then you quit and you think, well, did I know before? And then none of my other relationships have worked out and then that's yeah. why I'm here. And so maybe I'm doing something wrong. And so, no, I'm going to listen to the experts because they should know better. When really no one knows more than you do about yourself and no yeah. one knows what's more right for you than you. So I will never, ever second guess myself again. Yeah. So, so before we, 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 I want to touch in like the aftermath of it coming on TV and all that, that reality, but you know, intuition and spirituality is something you mention a lot and I can sense it's a sort of key part of who you are. When did you sort of, you know, pulling back, I guess, come in terms with intuition and your spiritual side of you? Um, because it's only, I guess, gone mainstream in a way in the last couple of years, but is this something you've always had and, and, and sort of nurtured? Yeah, always. And I, even when I was 18, I, well, I grew up with my mum meditating, so I could always see her. She was meditating and then wow. we had these different books when we were young and she introduced me to a couple of books. And so I always, I just always kind of had that in my life and yeah. I had always just felt like I didn't believe what everyone was saying. I just wanted to question everything. Mm. And I, I always just thought, well, just because you say that's blue doesn't mean it's blue. And just because you say that happened doesn't mean it's, and that's what's right for you is not right for me. So I've just always been a questioner and I've yep. always been really curious about everything. And so that's led me down to so many different paths and I've done so many courses and just books and retreats and just I'm just always searching for things that I guess feel right and that make me feel good. And so I've just, yeah, explored lots of those avenues during my life, which has been amazing. I can't not. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so inquisitive. There's, there's that um, subscription. Uh, it's like Netflix. It's called Gaia. I don't know if you've been on there before. I've heard of it. My sister's got it. Yeah. But no, it's, it's yeah, talking about COVID and too much time on your hands. Man, yeah. it's like a rabbit hole, rabbit hole, rabbit yeah, hole. That's rabbit right. Hole. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and, and what's your spiritual, I mean, do you meditate daily or what is it? What do you, what do you do to keep yourself calm? Yeah, so it's with the radio and because we have to get up so early. So mm. I literally get out of bed, get ready, you know, do all my things, go to work, do the show, and then it's so intense being on for that many hours a day. Yeah. And I literally haven't, like, I've just like, oh, I finish and I go, oh, okay. And I've just, I just said to my boss at the beginning, I need to have, like, a circuit breaker. So every day at 9 o'clock I finish, I get my bag and I go down to my car and I just sit in my car for 20 minutes and I meditate and then that resets me and then I yep. go back and then do the rest of my work. And I feel like I, until I do that, I don't feel ready sometimes. And even in, in, if it's a crazy morning and I can't, I just go, give me one minute and I'll just go and I'll just do it for one minute. It's like I just need a second to stop that yep. because otherwise it's just like boom, 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 and then boom. And I just, 
I want to be able to have a good rest of my day, not be yeah. feeling so crazy. And so because you have to be on all the time, you need something to wind down off that. So I found that's helped me a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, someone I, I, I do for my tech business to do a lot of speaking and I, I got off, I was doing a keynote somewhere and I got off stage and one of my mates said to me, man, you look so scattered because I know I was, right? I just sort of just got divorced. I was all over the place and he introduced me to meditation. It's like yeah. life-saving. It's, it's yeah. something I do every day. It's, yeah. it's so, so good. It feels so good too. And you can go different places and, you know, yeah. I've, yeah. Got, I've learned transcendental meditation years ago and that's with the mantra. And I love doing that, but sometimes I don't do that. Like I don't, I used to be so, have so many rules on it, but then that made me stressed about having to do it at different times. So now it's just like, okay, what yeah. do I feel like, you know, what feels good? Yeah, I use, I actually use an app, um, I cheat. Um, so it's basically, it's this, uh, it's a company called Holosync and they bring you down to a Delta state yeah. um, just through st- stereo. And then what you can actually do is pull in all your affirmations that are decoded. So it just sounds like rain or whatever it is. But it's all the affirmations oh, wow. that you want, you know, all the things that you want to focus on. That's right. Yeah, and oh. you can kind of you can kind of fall asleep to it as well. So there's yeah, a little, little cheeky great. hack. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My nine year old sleeps with me up, and she says, "Are we meditating?" I go, "Yeah." So I put in my earphones. She listens to calm, and she's going. Oh, that's cute. Oh, she, good. <laughs> he's, he's gone next to me. Um, so pulling back to maths or married at first sight. So when it you obviously had a hell of a rough time. How long does it last from, you know, when, when you guys have your final shooting till it actually airs? How, how does that work? So we do the final vows in December then you have yeah. a break for six weeks and then you go back in January and then so you do the, that filming for two days, the mm-hmm. final dinner party and the commitment ceremony, and then you, it goes to TV like two days after that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's, and, yeah. and, and at that time had you obviously no contact, zero with, with anyone in the outside world, but... Had you oh, you, do, you do after the final vows because then you get the six weeks break. Okay. And yeah. So, so during that, yes, my life changed a lot. Okay. And and were you at your current job? When did that stop? Because that was that. So I got that. So I didn't know what I was going to do because I'd been living in Melbourne. Yeah. So I finish, and I think I'm going to move to the Gold Coast with the, my husband. And so I do that for, and then five days later, I'm like, "What the fuck have I done?" <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do, and all I felt like doing was coming home to my safe place, which is yeah. the Sunshine Coast. And I, it's amazing how it happened. It's so amazing. And I heard about this job, and that had come up, and I went, "Oh my god, that's a job for me!" And I applied, and somehow or other. In that six weeks, all the planets aligned and yeah. I got the job and I'd moved back to the Sunshine Coast. So then when I went back to the reunion, I was all ready to go and set up. I did the reunion and then I was ready to start work. So it was, yeah. And, and what was it like watching it, I guess? It was intense. <laughs> Brutal and honest and great and all the things. It's just, it was so horrendous sometimes watching myself and going oh my god why did I say that or why did I do that or what was I wearing or something but in the end it's like who cares it doesn't really matter it was just a tv show and I had an experience and I tried something and I put my heart out there and I loved hard and I got you know smacked down and I got back up and it was an experience and so I just learned to not take it so seriously sometimes it was hard when you get all the messages late at night and yeah. Like, you know, that a lot of attention that I had paparazzi following me from Serious? my class. It was so weird and uncomfortable yeah. and 
so many strange things happen last year, which were sometimes bizarre. But in the end, just I'm, I'm glad I did it because it was an experience of a lifetime. And even though it was tricky to navigate, I did learn so much and I'm still here. I'm still here. So I did it. <laughs> we are resilient. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that must have, from you from a public persona, changed everything from just being, you know, hiding yourself to most people noticing you when you go around. I mean, that, that must have pros and cons. And, and how's that been? Yeah, it's been so lovely because everyone's been so lovely and kind and beautiful and yeah. just kind. Um, but at the same time, sometimes it's weird. You think I, at the time, where, especially when it was on, because I couldn't go anywhere like to Sydney and you go to Brisbane and everyone knew because it was such a national show. So yeah. that was weird. People coming up to you and stuff like that. So that's still weird. And I just think, like, it's still just very strange, but it's everyone's so lovely. So, you know, it's fine. But the thing is, when you're that honest on a TV show, then you have to continue being so honest about your life. And I do because I don't care and I'll say stuff on the radio. Um, But at times I go, oh, God, am I being too honest? Oh, my God, maybe people are going to think this about me. But then I think, once again, who cares? <laughs> no one really cares that much anyway. No. Yeah. So we all kind of care about ourselves and what we're doing in our own little world. Do you know what I mean? So. Well, the advice I give my kids is trust me, people are so busy, worried and looking at themselves yeah. that they actually don't care what you're doing. It's so true. They're so like, true. you don't know, Dad. I'm like, trust me, they are yeah. up their own ass. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Classic. So you, you, I was just listening to a... Um, a podcast you did with some girls earlier this year and you mentioned that this year has been you know obviously last year was one hell of a year you've had a significant year of growth found a really good therapist and kind of you know sorting shit out do you just want to talk about the journey as i said like the journey to self-love and how this year has been so pivotal for you and what's helped and, and what sort of helped you on that path well i had well after the show and i had that experience with the partner that i did i just yeah. felt a bit oh god i'm never I just thought, oh, I really know what I want in a partner now. Like I really know what I want and I'm never going to choose anyone um, that I don't feel is right again. And I know that even though I didn't choose my husband on the show, I did attract him into my life. Yep. And um, I thought, okay, great. And then after that last year I ended up having a relationship and it was not good and I just thought, what the hell am I doing? Why am I attracting these kind of people into my life. Like I literally, I was so shocked, flabbergasted and almost disgusted in myself that I could let someone, a person like that into my life that I thought I was, I would never ever again. And I just, I didn't, I felt like I didn't trust myself anymore. I felt really alone and I felt really sad for myself. I just thought you idiots, like why did you do that to yourself again? And so it led me, though, to this amazing lady called Tracy and she um, was ama- an amazing counsellor and she did timeline therapy, so she kind yeah. of takes you back, does like hypnotherapy, timeline therapy, takes you back to get rid of a thought or a belief and stuff like that. So I did heaps of that with her bulk, bulk counselling every single <laughs> week which for hours, which was hard, but I just went, I need to change. Yeah. I need to change my ways and if I don't, I'm just going to be in hell. And I just, so I... I did that massively, did all this other kind of stuff on me, myself and I feel, I really feel like all the other stuff I'd done for all the years was 
working, but it just needed someone to go. And literally it's like she got the dustpan and broom or the vacuum cleaner, the Dyson Dyson. Yes. So every last bit was there. And then we kind of went, okay, cool. Now go on your way. And ever since then, it's funny, I have not found the same men attractive. Mm -hmm. I do not even look at the same guys that I used to. And I have not been out with anyone since. I'm just, it's not like I'm, maybe for a bit I was scared, but now it just, Unless it's like, fuck yes, it's a no. I just not even, I'm just not excited about the same rubbish that I used to be. Yeah. So it just doesn't do it for me. But I'm so grateful for that. And I'm, and I'm speaking for myself here, but I'll ask you the question because this is, this is my story. But is it because you truly do value yourself now and have self-love that you don't need that shiny thing in a way? Yeah, I guess it is. And also, in a way, it's like my cup is full as opposed to me walking around going, oh, I'll get someone else and then being with them will make my cup full. It's like I'm full, so anyone else is just like the sprinkles on the top and great, but I don't need anyone to fill that anymore. Mm. So I don't feel like something is missing that I need to fill it. It's so weird. And when I then do meet someone and I go, oh, I'm literally really like I don't feel yeah. yeah, I don't feel as I'm not getting turned on by the same things. I'm not like people, if I mess up messaging someone, I'm like, it's not, no, like I just can't be bothered. <laughs> but then I, when I know, and if I know something's really going to be right, like I know in my heart if I think, yeah, something's going to be good, I'll know I'll get alarm bells or something, you know, ignite yeah. my fire. But until then, it's good. I just don't want to waste my time anymore. No, no, Jerry Maguire, you complete me moments. Oh, God, no, never, ever. I'm never doing one of those. No <laughs> way. <laughs> so so, so for, for the ladies listening, uh, Heidi, you've said your cup's full. Um, easy for you. What, what, some, some, some advice for, you know, everything you've, you've or your whole journey, what, what are your, I guess, top three or five strategies to fill your cup and, and to make sure that you are in that place of completeness? Just advice for anyone else who out there is struggling. Living my life and not living my life and doing my own things that what make me happy. So what's, what's satisfying me in all the areas of my life? What makes me feel good? What makes, and that can literally be a walk in the park or it can be going to an amazing job that you love. It's, it's different for everyone. Everyone has different values and goals and reasons for life. And I found doing all this, this work and this counselling amazing because I got rid of a lot of those belief systems that I had from a very young age and so I changed that. But realising what you want in your life and don't wait for someone to then create your life, create your life now. And I felt like I was always doing that but now I do it in a completely different way which is hard to articulate but it just is so now. It's just so that I just concentrate on or I don't even concentrate, I just do my thing and I do what I want to do and if someone comes, great. But if someone doesn't, that's also great and fine. And also realising that I see so many people out there in relationships and they're not what I want and go, it's okay, you've done the right thing. <laughs> I don't feel pressure like I yep. used to. Um, and I, yeah, I just don't, just doing all the things that make me want to live life and realising that that per extra person there can add, but if they're not going to add and make my life better, then it's just not worth it. I'm fine. I'm so fine doing my thing. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks. No, uh, I was chatting to 
not, a, not my girlfriend, but a girlfriend of mine. And I, I think I, I think she said, write a list of a man for like a man that I think you should have an attract. And I, the first thing I wrote for her, I said like, no projects, no hope projects. Yeah. She's a big fixer. Right. And she always yeah. broken yeah. guys and, and contrast to, you know, I'm like, no, no, you don't need a hope project anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like totally. a, you, you need someone who's got their shit together. Yeah, totally. That's right. Re- and that is ready and wants to be in a relationship. Yeah. 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 So let's start wrapping things up. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, man. It's oh, been- my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So, so what's next for Heidi? Anything exciting on the, on, on the, on the, on the table? Um, I'm just, I, well, I hurt my ankle a little while ago. So I'm literally doing rehab every single day on that. I, I've just come out of my boom boot and I've just yeah. come out of my, um, my crutches and that's been great. And I just realized how grateful I am for my body. You yep. know, something little like that happening can just change the whole course of your life for a second. And then you think, oh, far out. It's like one little ankle I'm so grateful for because I was crawling up and down my stairs for a while. <laughs> um, but I'm, so I'm just looking after myself and I guess just doing the things that I want to do, um, like seeing lots of friends, just taking some time, reconnecting with people, just reconnecting with myself, getting getting back into exercise and moving my body and just appreciating that. But I'm just so grateful that I live on the Sunshine Coast and that we get to live here in this beautiful place with what's going on in the world at the moment. I feel, you know, there's so much turmoil in the world, but I feel a sense of calmness here and I'm just really glad, yeah, that I'm here and just, just you know, doing doing more I guess I, I'm doing heaps more stuff with um, inclusive kids. Yep. We've been doing lots of podcasts. We're going to um, just look at different outlets on the Sunshine Coast, just being more involved in that. That's been, yeah, really important to me too. Brilliant. So where do people find you on the social channels? Okay, so if you go to Hyde's Latcham um, mm-hmm. or just type in Heidi Latcham and then I think it comes up later as well. Put it on the show notes. Are you on Facebook and Instagram? Facebook and Instagram, um, but I'm not really active on Facebook. I'm hardly ever on it. Yeah. Um, and then or you, also you can go to 919CFM too. There you go. You don't have your personal website? No, I don't have a website because what would I do? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't have an, I should one day, but so, do, so many things to do. It's, it's right. takes ages too. Like I'm not naturally, I'm not a natural computer. Like I know that's your job, but for me, Doing this is like, oh, God, this is going to take me forever. It takes me a long time to do one post. So having a website click, that blows my mind. <laughs> Just you've got to know the right people, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, now I do. Thank you. No, you do. I, don't, I don't build websites, but I know people who do. So that's Okay, it. that's good. Okay. Um, so thanks once again. Just, a, a, I guess, a, a, a closing thought for, for anyone out there who's maybe unlucky in love and feeling a bit alone and, and, and I believe you. I don't know if anyone is unlucky in love. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people go, Oh, I'm unlucky in love. It's just, I don't know if it's anything to do with luck. It's very much on timing and also being ready as a person or finding out what you've got to do in your journey first before you get to that. So I don't think, Oh, people are lucky. I just think maybe some people get those lessons in different forms sometimes. So I never like saying unlucky in love because people at work be like, Oh, you've been unlucky. No, I'm not. I've been in love like 15 times. So what are you talking about? Way more than you, but you've just been married to the same person for 20 years. So I just think differently. <laughs> no, it's an v- absolute valid point. So someone who is lucky in love, um, <laughs> but is, is, is single and struggling and trying to figure out, because I mean, it's like, like anything, right? You know, whether, 
where your attention goes, energy flows, right? If you're focusing on being single, then you'll be single. If you're focusing on being broke, you'll be broke. Totally. Any, any advice or closing thoughts? Literally get off the dating websites, get off that. If it feels good, if it feels right to get on them, it feels light, do it. Follow yep. the light. Don't, don't just do what everyone's doing because you think that's the right way to go. But also just do you. Just live your life. If you think, oh, I really want to go on a date, then go on a date with a friend. If I really want to go climb a mountain with a man, go and climb a mountain with a friend. Do things that you would normally do and stop letting that, like, letting that stop you and just make sure you make yourself happy and then maybe someone can add to that. But before you have that, and I hate it, used to hate it when people say that, you've got to love yourself before you can love anyone else. And, yeah, I've heard that 50 million times. I fucking love myself, all right? But it's, you've just, I'm more so you've just got to make yourself happy. And I feel like you've got to just feel your life so you're not waiting for someone to go, hey. And then if they come, they come. And if they don't, it doesn't matter. So just do you. Amen. True words never spoken. Awesome. Thanks so much. Ciao. Thank you, lovely man. I appreciate it.